0: Welcome to The Truth In This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with a celebrated multimedia paper cut artist. Please welcome Annie Howell. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. It's nice to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you as well. That's the thing that people don't get. People don't get like this is the first time I meet people. Most of the time, it's like I've never seen you before. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to start off before I start peppering you with questions. Um, with one, thank you for making the time, and and two, um, I want to start off with for someone who knows nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing about paper cuts. Could you describe your work, that process, and um, yeah, we, we'll start off there. There's another part to that, but we'll start off with that part.
1: Sure, sure. Yes. So the great thing about paper cutting is there is really no right and wrong way to do paper cutting. So the, the variety of techniques and tools that artists use traditionally and contemporary contemporary um, really vary. So I would I define my paper cutting as um I like to sort of, uh, I don't know if in school you ever did the thing where you folded the paper and made a snowflake and cut it out or something and then unfolded it or made a valentine mm-hmm. and you know cut it and unfolded it and got a different kind of design. So I basically do that. I use an exacto knife um, and I use paper and I hand draw all of my designs. So I'll hand draw them and then I cut them out using an exacto knife. And essentially, it's a very elaborate um, paper cut illustration uh, used for uh, lots of different things. Yeah,
0: that's that's great. So, so with something like that, I'm trying to wrap my mind around the intricate work. I mean, I have giant hands, so right there, I just see like, nah, I'm just gonna screw this up. So, and <laughs> I, I think when you have noise, and I like to work in a certain environment. Like, I would imagine. Like, I'm in in the city and, you know, at a certain point you might hear dirt bikes, you might hear car uh, sirens, all of that stuff, right? And just, you know, jackhammering because they're gentrifying this neighborhood. Uh, and I'm like, can I just not have any noise? And I need a certain environment because, you know, you get lost in thought sometimes. And I would imagine with something as intricate as a paper cut, you know, you need a certain working environment. So could you describe your ideal working environment?
1: Sure. Yes. And so I think um, I can relate to that. I'm actually right now in the basement. Uh, so my studio is a shared space. And you might hear some of the sort of furniture of the cafe above us rolling back and forth or people walking. Um, so my ideal work environment, the great thing about paper cuts really for me is that unless I'm working on a really large piece that is huge and very large width wise or lengthwise, you know, I just need a cutting mat, exacto knife, um my ideal work environment once i have my desk set up and i can listen to music or i do listen to podcasts a lot of podcasts um (laughs) that's really it a window is nice so that you can i can feel that i'm sort of have something else so at my desk i actually look out Mm -hmm. onto the street level window so sort of a harford road i'm in northeast baltimore Uh, so it's sort of a Harford Road TV TV show going by. Um, so I like a little outside, uh, you know, information going on. Because um, once I'm really into my work, then uh, then I'm sort of so focused that it, the distractions um, they don't totally get in the way. Yeah.
0: That the, the way you were describing it a little bit, it reminded me of this 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 period where I worked at a nonprofit. Um, I actually worked in NAACP for a bit and they didn't have space for me. They had like a closet, it was like a like an old closet, but it had a window in there. So in some ways it felt a little like isolation, like am I in a solitary? But also I was able to get so much stuff done because there was no distractions. Nobody's walking around and was like, hey man, you <laughs> wanna get some coffee? He's like, no, I wanna do my work. But mm-hmm. um, I was able to do a lot in that environment. And I, and I think that's an interesting question where, you know, we we take for granted how people get their work done and what, you know, is just right there that it kind of makes it move to another level. So for instance, if I'm coming up with questions and I try to pride myself on ask asking um curious, like authentic, kind of I try to I try to ask good questions. And I find if I'm in the studio, I'm not coming up with good questions. I have to go to a different environment.
1: Huh. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I have a very hard time. So I <clears throat> generally, I like to keep a sort of Monday through Friday, nine to five schedule that can deviate a little bit. This is what I do full time. Um, So, you know, I tend to I have been lucky and have had a studio outside of my home for the last probably 10, 10 plus years. So I like to, so I I don't know if this is for you, but I like to sort of go in, I'm at my space. Once I go through that door at the studio, I know I'm sort of in work mode thinking mode. And then when I leave, I like to be able to just leave and I may think about things while I'm doing other things, but, um, I'm very, uh, habit based on sort of coming in and getting my work done there. Um, but I can work remotely, which is really nice as well.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's, let's go back a little bit. Um, when did you first become interested in, in, in paper cutting and, uh, ultimately what inspired that work? Cause I, I read some things and I'm going to talk about a little bit later, but I wanted to at least throw that one up for you.
1: Sure. Sure. And some of them maybe. So <clears throat> I am originally from Rhode Island and I came to Baltimore um, to go to the Maryland Institute College of Art uh, to study what I thought I was going to study painting. And then I realized when I got here that there was people who, that I was not a good painter or a good drawer. So I've never considered myself a drawer or an illustrator. I went into the fibers department. um, And so I loved listening to a couple of interviews with sort of fiber artists, fiber based artists that you've done. But um, so I got into, sort of making large scale puppets and performances and costumes. And um, and as things happen, when you get out of school, you sort of find your way doing different jobs and things. And one of them landed me um, working on a project called the Great Halloween Lantern Parade that is run by the Creative Alliance in Patterson Park. And as part of that, the artist who sort of devised and designed that event molly ross um she started doing a a shadow puppet show at the end of the parade using overhead projectors which are very (laughs) old technology now but the cool thing about overhead projectors is as big as you want the image to get you just pull it away from the screen so if you make a 20 foot wide projection you just put that projector 20 feet away from the screen so we started making these sort of large scale shadow puppet shows to sort of finish the parade off this is many years ago anyway I never considered myself a drawer, but we started using exacto knives to cut out the shadow puppets. And um, the wonderful thing about paper cutting is that the materials, pretty easy to come by so mm-hmm. i just one christmas i started i had paper and actually it was envelopes and an exacto knife and i did some very basic oh you got your exacto knife yeah yours <laughs> is fancier than what i use i use like the cheaper just basic metal one but that's cool thing. everybody can use whatever they want um, yeah, so I just started really as gifts for people, making them as gifts for people, because it was something I had sort of been toying around with, um, with the shadow puppets and uh, realized that it was really fun. And so that's just, that's really how I got started.
0: Nice. That's uh, it's one thing that I've been you know, kind of delving into, because I, I keep circling through Austin Kleon stuff. And as uh, you remember, it was this quote, and I think it applies to all types of creatives, but not purely like writers. Uh, it was like, you know, for writers, and I think, it like I said, it's broader, that um, write about what you know, and usually that's not good. It's like, write about what you like, write about what you enjoy, or even to make it broader, pursue things that you enjoy. And as you said, you know, this was fun you know and i think doing something that's fun it keeps you like curious and interested and so on and ultimately you have a you you have work that's coming out of it so i think that that's a very interesting um like story you shared
1: yeah, yeah. And a lot of times I will fold my paper and start by drawing and cutting what I can that's symmetrical and then I unfold it and do the non-symmetrical things. But for me, the the folding it is like the exploration and the curiosity because you don't always know what that pattern or what that design is going to look like when you're only looking at it from one side. So I think sort of those those were early um, things that attracted me to the, the art form. Just the surprise and the sort of discovery. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. You know, but it's the exploration.
0: In in terms of exploring, now this this is off the cuff, but I'm thinking about it because I'd be remiss if I didn't ask: Have you ever considered pursuing like paper paper cuts with origami?
1: No, I I have tried to do that um, paper folding, and it is really neat. But I have not. I mean. I've done some where you can sort of not origami, but, you know, traditionally, a lot of paper cuts um, were done by fold, making super detailed folds. And then the way you cut it is just magic. And then you unfold it and it's a whole scene that you didn't even know you were making. So I've done a little bit of that, but that is really um, not my my there's people who are really good at that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's legit. Cause I mean, even, you know, what, you know, what paper cut artists do right there, that's, that's all just a different thing for me. It's like, I'm going to admire, I'm not going to touch because everything <laughs> that I touch, you know, just, just goes away. Everything I touch just, <laughs> de- just, gets destroyed. It's like papyrus. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so, so paper cutting is like your, your signature style. So a lot of people would, would know about you and from your, your work. How often do in these days, are you like deviating from, from that form?
1: um so barely so really never um the uh, in the and I I sort of like to say that you know the great I never consider myself an illustrator a drawer I still sometimes um sorry my studio mate is closing the door it's very loud um so I consider my so I never consider myself an illustrator or a drawer, but um, through paper cutting, like I've found my style and sort of the drawing and the cutting combination. So while everything starts as a hand drawn, hand cut, paper cut, and I don't do painting and I don't do watercolor, what I've like expanded now is taking that original paper cut that's just a paper cut experimenting with digitizing it, using scanning it, vectorizing it. And then the sky is the limit in terms of what it can become after that. Um, you know, it could become a, a print, it could become a 3d mural. It could become like jewelry. Like there are so many different, um, things. So I feel that I'm sort of expanding my medium that way, but the original is always a
0: paper cut. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, as we as we go into it, and you've listened to the podcast, that so you you know how it goes when it comes to, you know, diving more into who the person is. That's what the purpose of the rapid fire questions are. But mm-hmm. could you tell me about a life experience that has helped shape your creative sensibility?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I uh, came from a family that benefited. From generational security because of systems that were put in place to benefit white people. Um, my family had stable income. My mom went to college. Um, we had property. So I like to say that because that allowed me to have some stability when I got to college to explore some interesting creative things. Mm-hmm. I was able to take unpaid internships, working at interesting, sort of like creative places because I didn't have to, I didn't have to have a job. I could take an unpaid internship. So I did weird internships at a textile conservator and I worked with a puppetry company. And so that, um, that helped me sort of be able to explore interesting creative mediums I I mean who uh, I got to work with a puppet studio in Rhode Island that we toured around to different countries so all of that sort of I feel like helped build my um sort of way that I observe the world uh, and you know and then being able to come out of college with not a lot of student debt another thing that's huge um, allowed me to take low, lower paying job so I could do a weird creative job who gets a job as a shadow puppeteer you know and so I say that not to um just because I think it's an important fact about how my creative process got developed and and um and so you know those influenced me at being able to do sort of like interesting weird jobs um and I feel like all of those experiences sort of Working in a small nonprofit, working in a small nonprofit arts organization really helped me not only on the creative side, but also on the sort of all the other things that we do as artists and makers and small business owners, you know, that sort of business day to day, getting that, you know, there's, I do everything, I ship all of my orders, I update my website, I there's several things I have other people do. I have a great photographer who photographs my work. I have a bookkeeper and an accountant, but that is about it. And then everything else is sort of, maybe I'll work with a different artist for a contract. You know, like um, actually Tiffany Reedy, who was on your podcast earlier, yeah. we collaborated on stuff. So like I'll work with other designers and stuff, but you know, for the most part, I'm doing it all. Um, and so I think having those experiences early on and having some of those benefits um, really helped me and i and i think it's important because a lot of times it's like small business owners we're like pulling ourselves up from our bootstraps and sometimes we are but sometimes we have like in my case i had some help getting to a certain point based on um my family history uh that helped me and so now i like work super duper hard and i've like built this up but i like to kind of also say that, that i think that's an important part of uh my story as an yeah. artist, because I think sometimes the myth of the, the maker who just came into the, <laughs>
0: anyway,
1: I could go on and on, but yeah. So I think that that was an important, um, having those create opportunities to pursue creative interests and outlets early on, um, was very like informative to, to what I do now.
0: Yeah. Thank, thank you for, for sharing that and, 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 being transparent in that way. Cause I think, A lot of times, you know, people don't understand the story that's the layer beneath or the, you know, what's baked into it. And, you know, like whenever the opportunity presents itself that I can kind of help because I I have a day job uh, that has a salary attached with it. And I'm more so taking from myself and the socialization of things to be able to balance both things that almost like full time, like uh, responsibilities. But you know, I I'm choosing that and, mm-hmm. you know, choosing to work these hours and and, and do that. And that's taking for me. Um, but I think, you know, people have to understand, like, what that experience is. And I think it, it was something I saw the other day about obsession and mm-hmm you know, their, you know, talent and what have you. Obsession beats talent all the time. Right. And I have an obsession for, for doing this. This is what gives me that energy to say, I'm going to do like three podcasts (laughs) today after a full work day and after other meetings and other responsibilities. It's like, I ate, I did eat today, you know, but you know, I didn't go to the gym. That's the only thing I'm feeling a little bit like a a lazy POS about, but you know, you know how it goes. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, whatever your thing is, whatever your creative pursuit is, you're 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 doing it. you're You're just going after it. And that's kind of like what I'm doing. But I think for people who are listening to kind of dispel it because a lot of times like, oh yeah you know, what's the backstory though, you know, and being able to share that. Not everyone does that. So thank you for doing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times people are like, oh, how do you stay motivated? Well, I stay motivated, like, I totally agree. If I didn't have, being able to paper cut has gotten me through some really challenging times, you know, to just be able to do, and maybe you feel this way, just dive into a create, into that creative pursuit where you're just like focusing on that. And it, I really don't know what I would do if I wasn't paper cutting. <laughs> Actually, I do know my backup job is that I would totally work at Costco because I love Costco or I would be, <laughs> off- those are mine anyway. But um, yeah, I just think that being able to paper cutting is really, uh, I just don't know what I would do if I didn't paper cut.
0: I mean, if I wasn't podcasting, I would probably be some sort of sensitive bouncer. I mean, like, it's ridiculous.
1: Uh,
0: but yeah, so, um, so when you look back at, let's say, early paper cuts to, you know, like now, like I, I read that. So you've been in business, like business business for like 12 years, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: when you look back at some of the earlier work and some of the work that you're doing now, working with businesses, working with all types of like collaborative opportunities. Like, how have you seen like that evolution there? And where do you want to see you moving in the future?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I get the most excited because I came from a background of working on projects that were collaborative, whether that was like a parade or a community event or a, a performance or something. Um, I love collaborating within using the paper cut. So the most exciting things to me are when I'm doing a paper cut, and then, um, you know, it started when I first started, I was just doing. Paper cuts. Uh, people said, "Oh, you could put these up in our restaurant, or you know, whatever." Trove, which was an amazing shop in town that closed sadly, that supported so many local businesses and artists. They were the first ones to help me sort of figure out how do you price this stuff, how do yeah. you put this up on the wall. So from there to then, sort of um, the first time I did a book cover illustration, the the editor emailed the art director emailed me. And I had no idea how you even do an illustration book for a book cover. So I had to sort of be really open and upfront. Um, I don't really know how I do a presentation (laughs) sketch, but you know, so it just always, so to me, it's always like learning I may not know how to do the thing, but I know how to figure out how to do it or I know how to find some other people who know how to do it. So for me, those are the most exciting things where it's really pushing me to either collaborate. I get to work with talented designers who can see the paper cut and then imagine it four more steps down the road, You know, adding color, taking pieces out. Um, I worked with a great mural artist, Andy Dahl, this winter where he is a really... Um, talented paid painter, really beautiful colors and uh, realistic painting style. So we did this collaboration where I did paper cuts and then he, and then we made them, we sort of designed the design and we got it cut out of huge pieces of um, plywood. And then we collaboratively painted it. And, you know, that was, and it was installed at a school in, um, at Marie G. Faring Elementary School in Brooklyn in South Baltimore. So, you know, those things are the exciting things to me that Sort of challenged me to think outside, just outside the box of um, uh, sitting at my desk paper cutting. But then sometimes I just love to do that, too. So I think that's evolved and I think I've gotten more confident in um why clients are coming to me or why people are coming to me for work and that what I have is very valid. My my expertise is important. I think when I first started doing a lot of client work, I would listen to what the client really wanted and deliver perfectly exactly what they were asking for. But sometimes maybe that wasn't actually the best solution or the best idea. So now it's more listening to what the clients or the project is and figuring out how I can take what I've done and sort of make the best solution. Sometimes that's exactly what they want. Sometimes it's it's a combination of those things. So
0: And, and where do you wanna kinda go in the next, let's say I'll say five years, you know you're you're like seventeen or what have you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good question. Uh, you know, I always change my mind. I'm always uh, thinking of different things. I would love to do um more public art projects, so where those are sort of taking the artwork and then it's being um, created into a three d sort of environment um or more large-scale mural projects. Um, I would love to do a wallpaper collection or textiles um, things like that would be really, really cool and interesting to pursue. So in the I don't know, I have a good answer for that. (laughs) No,
0: no, no. I think that was a good answer. And which which kind of creates a new question for me then Uh, I want to dive back into the process before I go into my last question. So Mm -hmm. I want to talk about process in this way. Um, So sometimes I think when we're working on something, we are, you know, judging the work based on what parameters we're putting on ourselves. Like when someone chooses to paint, like I'm only going to do three colors or I'm only going to paint with these shapes. How do you apply kind of having restrictions in place? Because we can do everything, right? But sometimes scaling it back and scaling it down is important to put out some of our best work. So how do you apply maybe that approach to your work?
1: So no matter what I'm doing, whether it's a, well, if I'm doing just a, original piece for myself or experimenting with ideas I'll just start cutting or I'll I'll sketch but um, you know generally I'm coming up with small rough sketches then I'm refining those based on changes things need to be made and then um, then generally what I do is I will cut my piece and I tend I always say when I'm teaching workshops and when I'm doing my own practice you can't really add things back into the piece once you've cut them out i mean you can but i but you can always take things out so a lot of times what i do is once i get the piece done first then i say oh i don't think this is very good and then i step away from it for a a, you know a little while get some distance and then come back and look at it and where my eyes might be confused or where things don't seem clear, then I am always not afraid to go back in and sort of cut things out. I love editing things. Um, if it's not working or it's not making sense, cut out that little leaf or that little house or something like that, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I think always taking a step back and, and um, editing is uh, helps.
0: I agree. I agree. And, and I mean, there's some cutting that happens with this podcast at times. <laughs> I mean, not, not a lot. Cause I try to keep it as close to, um, Almost like POV, like overhearing, or almost like a, a AR talk. But if someone comes to me, it's like, "Yo, I was speaking out of the side of my neck. Can you please <laughs> take that out?" And I'll be, I'll also be remiss if I didn't mention this. The last, well, up until recently, the last place that I've traveled to actually has been um, bookended. So pre-pandemic and like during the pandemic, or have you has been Rhode Island, actually, oh. uh, Providence, uh, both times. Yeah.
1: That's a, um, well, okay. Amazing. Uh, I went to, I was lived in Providence in high school. That's cool. What were you going there for? If you don't just, mind my asking. Just
0: a visit for culture, Stayed at the graduate hotel. Um, went to everyone, I forget the name of the coffee shop, but it was like a chain um, that was in, uh, in the uh, part of uh, Providence I was in. And just enjoyed the culture, enjoyed the food, went to some museums. That's so
1: neat. That's wow. Literally what I do
0: whenever I travel, That's that's my itinerary.
1: That's so great. Well, that's and you know I don't know if you flew or whatever, but there's a short, nice short trip on Southwest Airlines to fly to, to Rhode Island.
0: So. I I love the train. I love taking a train.
1: Oh up. yeah, yes. My boyfriend lives in DC, so I take the mark. We take the Mark train back and forth a lot, and we both are big um, cyclists. So you can take your your bike on the train, which is so nice. So nice. love the train also.
0: So this is the last real question I have before I get to these rapid fire ones. And uh let's see. Um so it's kind of two parts. Um are there any artists that you're particularly fond of and what is it about their work that you admire?
1: Oh, I I actually did. I it's so hard. There's so many artists that I'm fond of. Um as a paper cut artist, I actually tend to um be attracted to paper cut artists that are in like a really different style than me. So, because I just find that to be interesting. So, I do have some paper cut artists that I love. Rosa Leff is one of them, which has been she's been on this podcast and I just love her intricate cityscapes. And then another paper cut artist that I love is a woman named Janelle Washington. Um she is in Richmond, Virginia and her um she's her business is Washington Cuts and she is just such a her um her paper cut illustrations are really amazing she has a book that she just illustrated coming out soon um or it might be i think it's sort of in pre their publicity you know they're touring it now so anyway love their stuff um i tend to try not to look at too many paper cut artists just because i don't want to accidentally get influenced but Mm. some other artists that i love is there's another artist in dc named hadia williams um her she has sort of like she does amazing textiles and ceramics and she has a her like sort of studio is called black pepper paper co but hadia williams i love and then my one of my favorite baltimore duo is jesse and katie they're the mural artists you see their bright colorful murals sort of all over and they have really expanded out to just painting murals hyper geometric colorful murals all over the country. So they're super inspiring. So those are just a few, but I could keep going forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you. And then hopefully, um, you know, with, you know, more folks being aware of you and your work, you put them on to a few more artists that they should be checking. So that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Uh, well, now, now it's time for some rapid fire questions. Um,
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: now, now remember the key here is not to overthink them. You know, they, they're, sometimes they're a little left and sometimes they're like, "Oh, that's easy." I, I remember uh, having D Watkins on. He's like, "I thought these were supposed to be hard. These were just easy, bro." I was like, all right, all right, "Don't don't disrespect the questions now." All right, um, I'm, I'm going to save this one I just put in for later because I think it's funny. Um, what's something that without fail makes you laugh?
1: Um, I have to say this is so stupid, but videos of corgis on Instagram.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's legit.
1: I successfully, you know, the script, you know where it suggests videos to you, it's just all corgi videos with weird voices over them now. <laughs> that <laughs> sometimes just makes me laugh. <laughs> That's
0: funny. Um now you you were talking about earlier that you, you know, there are a few paper cut artists that that you follow, but you don't try to go too too in-depth in it. So I, I wanna get this feedback. What is something that a paper cut artist would say?
1: Oh. Um, Well, I think that we could... Uh, you know, uh, it, it, we're a multitude, so I don't want to speak for all paper cut artists. But I feel like if you got a group of paper cut artists together, they can and will have very in depth conversations about blades and which blades they use, <laughs> and how sharp uh, they are, and you know what kind of blade do you like. And uh, yeah, so if you really want to be bored for you know very in depth conversations about the benefits of XL blades versus Exacto blades versus uh, scalpels that's
0: that's your group <laughs> i mean you kind of did it when i pulled up my, my exact note I like, oh, yeah. I that like wait let me see that one hold on i
1: don't <laughs> yeah. know what, what model is
0: that yeah we, we do that with microphones so, so i can't oh, even lie about it <laughs> so what are you reading right now uh, you're, you're a reader what are you reading right now
1: uh, so i am a listener i do read uh but i do listen to a ton of uh Audiobooks and podcasts, um, when I'm working and and music too. Um, so I am re- I am reading currently a book called, hold on, I don't totally remember the name. I going to get it correct. Hold on one second. It's really good. It's called The Old Woman with the Knife. And it is a Korean novel that I- it was translated into English, and it is about an older assassin. And how she's coming to terms with um, aging in the job. And her name is Hornclaw and she has a dog named Deadweight. And it's great.
0: <laughs> for a second, I thought you were talking about like, you know, kind of like your future life or what have you. I was like, oh, you <laughs> um, Like, you're, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you're living the what prequel that? right now. <laughs>
1: I didn't even make that connection. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> what? I got,
0: I got, I oh got two God. more. For
1: you. Ah, that's hilarious. Okay.
0: Um, if you had to do it all over again, what is one thing that you would change?
1: Mm, do what all over again, life or like paper cutting or what? <laughs>
0: However, you want to frame it, that's open ended.
1: <laughs> um I think I wouldn't be afraid to rate to ask for to to have my prices higher. That's one thing that I always think artists can tend to struggle with is asking for the value of their um, asking for feeling comfortable with charging uh, the real price for work. I'm sure it's the same, you know, it's just so, yeah, I think that would be something can always um, always boost that up.
0: That's legit. That's legit. Okay. Lastly, this this one I thought, this one I was just put in, I thought it was, was kind of funny. Um, so so think of, when I say this, think of something that's really, really, really intricate, something that took a lot of time, um, a paper cut that took a lot of time. How many times did you cut yourself? What's the most times that you've cut yourself on a given project?
1: <laughs> so I will say, um, I, uh, I've gotten pretty good at not cutting myself. Um, I tend to, uh, the bummer about paper cutting is well i use white paper mostly and the exacto knives the blades that you use are very sharp so generally what happens is you don't realize you've cut yourself and then you get the blood on the paper <sighs> so then you have to creatively sort of cut out the um you know cut the cut the piece to make it look like the there you know wasn't there so i have gotten much better at not cutting myself um and i just have band-aids and tape and all sorts of things easily accessible in case i do
0: <laughs> you can you can do adorian gray Thing about it. It's like it's so much of me and this art, this paper cut, you know, biologically speaking, it's like a child. It's like, all right, less. <laughs> yeah. Um so, so that's everything. That's all of the questions that I had today. Um, and I want to thank you for coming onto this podcast. And I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, check out your your work, um, social media, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours.
1: Ah, well, well, thank you so much. This is great. Um, so, uh, my website is just Annie how Um, and then, um, my social media is just Annie how on Instagram. Um, and I would really encourage, I don't have any, uh, events coming up, but I do teach a lot of paper cutting workshops. Uh, and so, um, the best way to sort of stay in touch with me is to sign up for my newsletter. I try to make it interesting. I do make it sort of a creative illustration. Um, um, and I usually only send one out maybe once a month, if not maybe on average once a month. So I think that um, uh, getting reading, subscribing to and reading small businesses and artists newsletters is a really important way to help support. So if people are interested in that, I would love to get some subscribers that way, um, you know, because that's a, that's a fun way to keep in touch.
0: Absolutely. So there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Annie Howell for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.